Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Flow Line. Matt, how are you? Oh, can't complain. How about yourself? Excellent. Excellent. Another topic for today, we're going to do a technical topic. I think something that we've all, well, we're all aware of. Some have been on a rig with it. Some haven't, myself included. I've been more exposed to it from an office standpoint versus actually being on a rig with it. But, you know, again, MPD, managed pressure drilling. Matt, is this something that, I mean, it's pretty common nowadays, at least in West Texas, some of the customers I have, it's something that's used almost every well. Some use it, some operators don't, but I would imagine it's something that everyone out there is either familiar with or has asked about it. So doing an episode on managed pressure drilling, I think would be a good idea. What do you think? Absolutely. I think it, it comes up often enough and you know there, there are a few places where we sort of converge with other service companies and you know fluid touches all this equipment. And so I think it's important to be aware of it and mm-hmm. have some idea of what the implications might be for us. Yep, exactly. Well, MPD obviously stands for managed pressure drilling. And therefore, Matt, how would you describe it? And, and then we'll go from there, and get a little bit more detailed. So the industry definition is, I'll just read it. MPD is an adaptive drilling process used to more precisely control the annular pressure profile throughout the wellbore. The objectives are to ascertain the downhole pressure environment limits and manage the annular hydraulic pressure profile accordingly. Now, what that really kind of means is generally we're using this in narrow, poor pressure, fracture gradient windows. So when I'm really trying to manage the annular pressure as precisely as possible, keeping directly in line with with the poor pressure, but also not inducing losses by having excess pressure. So I think that's just an important thing consider is narrow margins where we do we may or may not know exactly what the pore pressure and fracture gradient are we just know we we're running a tight line right so and matt there's actually a, a few different types of mpd or, or managed pressure drilling can you describe the different applications or the, the different ways that we would actually use this yeah and i think i'll be kind of generic here you know i'd say so like probably the the poor boy one that you would hear is, is pressurized mud cap drilling which is the idea of basically applying pressure on the backside with, you know, a mud cap, basically when you're encountering total losses. So you're pumping fluid away down the drill string, but you've got a heavy cap on the backside and you're applying, applying pressure on that. You know, another one and probably the more common one that we see is, is constant bottom hole pressure, where basically you have some equipment and you're, you're actively manipulating the choke to maintain constant bottom hole pressure. And if you think about this, this could be as, as simple as, you know, we know we lose some density when we turn off the pumps, right? So this is going to maintain that extra pressure when the pumps are off so that the, the bottom hole pressure remains constant, as the name suggests. You know, another sort of category is, is the HSE one where basically we're monitoring returns. And so a lot of the managed pressure drilling equipment, well, all of the automated systems definitely very closely track flow, right? Because you know you're on such a tight margin that if you took an influx, you would detect a kick very, very quickly. And so in really sensitive areas, you may just use managed pressure drilling so that you can quickly detect a kick 
and shut in the well and, and get it under control before it becomes a more significant event. Reverse circulation, it is what it kind of sounds like. And then, you know, an, another one from the deep water perspective was dual gradient drilling, which was kind of a, a big topic conversation a few years ago. It may be just where I'm at in the industry, not necessarily relative to activity, but the idea of injecting a light fluid into the casing or riser. And so you effectively have kind of two fluid columns that you're maintaining. And so, I mean, those are all kind of the general topics. But as I mentioned, for the most part, I think constant bottom hole pressure is sort of the neighborhood we're working in, in most of our applications. And so some of the reason for that is, is some of these things are, you know, considered proactive or reactive options, right? Like one is I'm planning my entire well around the use of managed pressure drilling. Maybe I can drill further or eliminate a casing string because I can so tightly control my well-known fracture gradient. I feel like in the Permian Basin and a few of these other areas that we work in unconventionals, we have no idea what we're going to see. Right. We don't know if we're going to take a flow. We don't necessarily know exactly when we're going to go on losses, although we have some idea it might occur. And so that's more of a reactive step, right? Is we start to see losses occurring. We try and lighten the mud weight. We take a flow. We try and, you know, raise the equivalent bottom hole pressure and trying to walk that fine line is really where managed pressure drilling is definitely attractive and useful for us. It's not to try and get, you know, a few thousand extra feet of casing. So that's sort of the the general background, I'd say. Right. Okay. So, I mean, from a drilling fluid perspective, there's not too, too much that we are responsible for, but from an equipment standpoint, off the top of your head, Matt, do you know what kind of extra equipment, you know, one could expect on a rig that may be added to our surface equipment? So there's a lot of varied, and there's a lot of different ways to, to look at it, and they can get more and more sophisticated. And a lot, it was kind of interesting. There was somebody kind of writing an article about how the original managed pressure drilling systems that were used were all, you know, of course, a lot of stuff starts in deep water where there's a lot of money and non-productive time, you know, as far as rig dollars go. And so they're very equipment intensive, lots of sensors, that kind of thing. And then trying to deploy that stuff on land, everybody was like, well, let's take all this expensive crap out of here and eliminate, you know, the extra three or four people required to run this, this equipment. And so you see these more stripped down versions, but, but fundamentally they're all going to have a couple of things. One is a choke, a dedicated choke to maintain back pressure, normally more than one, like a primary and a backup a float equipment inside the drill string to provide a seal, and then a rotating control device, which basically allows you to keep the well shut in when you're making connections and that sort of thing, right? And so those are those are kind of the, the basic requirements, but it can go way beyond that as well. Right. So what, are, what kind of advantages do we see using this type of equipment or, or using this type of technology, you know, f- for the well? I mean, what, you know, because it seems like, well, it's like, oh, well, if you're trying to, you know, use equipment to manage pressure, why wouldn't you just then, you know, increase mud weight or decrease mud weight? Or can you kind of talk on that? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it ties back into just the notion of the idea that I'm trying to balance that poor pressure and fracture gradient where you'd say, well, if you take a flow, just increase your mud weight. Well, what happens if that puts me on losses now? Now I don't have mud, you know, I'm losing mud, so I can't maintain the column to stop the flow. Now I'm taking a flow that I can't control. It could be water, you know, and in, in most common in the Permian, but it could be gas or oil. You, I mean, you could be on well control now. And so MPD can be critical to balancing that fine line. Just like you said, you know, oh, let's lighten up the fluid. Well, that's, 
that's okay to, to maybe reduce some losses, but now I run the risk of, you know, having an influx. So, and that's where that whole system works together, right? So your choke is helping to maintain that back pressure. Your float is keeping fluid from going up the string and your rotating control device is allowing you to maintain bottom, you know, constant pressure, you know, not only when you're static, but obviously when you're rotating as well. Right. You know, one thing that's interesting on one of the rigs that we have is, is what they call Coriolis meters. And actually it was, it was something that years ago, someone, a buddy of mine said, would be cool if you could have real time, like density observation or real time density measurements. And there was probably that technology at the time, but being a young whippersnapper and not having many years in the, you know, in, in the industry, I thought like, man, that would be so cool. And, but yeah, I mean, that's something now that I, I think is quite common and, and it's essentially, you know, a very sensitive device put on to whether your flow line or something, you know, outside of the annulus that's actually measuring density real time. And, and by doing that, then you can adjust pressures pretty much real time to really, like you said, for kick detection and really just get an understanding of what's going on downhole. But that stuff is extremely valuable, especially if you are in an area that's has a very sensitive fracture gradient. Again, a lot of the issues or a lot of the, you know, well challenges that we have or things that are happening downhole until we realize it and we're able to react and then apply, whether it's barite or whether, you know, chemicals it is to, to get the fluid where we need it to control the well bore, it takes time. And a lot of times, you know, time is, is extremely valuable and it's, and it's time sensitive. So if, if you can adjust your bottom hole pressures, you know, through, you know, dials or, or switches or, or even valves, you can save a well bore and, and you can save a lot of downtime and a lot of money. I mean, I think if you had to wait up a pound on a 2,500 barrel system, how long that would take versus just applying a little bit more pressure at surface, it can save a lot of time and a lot of headache. And ultimately you could save your well. So there's definitely some serious applications for it that, that are very valuable. And again, I, I think, and Matt, you may or may not know, but does this technology come from deep water? I mean, was this a, originally an offshore thing or do you recall? I mean, so there's plenty of argument to be made for both just by way of some of these, I don't even know if you'd call it a poor boy method, but but some of these things, some of these techniques have been used for years. When you get into some of the more sophisticated setups that we have now, you would say, yes, they were proven in deep water and, you know, especially post Macondo, right? Remember that kind of everybody took a fresh look at everything and most rigs, as far as like drill ships, the next generation expectation was that you'd be able to hold two BOP stacks. So if one failed, you could swap the other one out and service, you know, service immediately and a full managed pressure drilling setup. And so, you know, imagine how much bigger these drill shifts were going to have to get to hold all that is, is quite phenomenal. But a lot of the things we see today definitely originated from there. A lot of the equipment, for example, Coriolis meters, you know, Coriolis meters provide density, but they also provide flow rate. And they're one of the few reliable instruments. They don't have to touch the fluid. I mean, you flow the fluid through it, but the sensors aren't actually directly engaging necessarily. So they don't plug and fail as, as much. It's a very basic process. And so because of that, they're quite reliable. And it wasn't long after Macondo that you saw rigs just starting to put them, you know, on to see mud weight coming out. And, you know, managed pressure drilling, it was a very natural marriage of wow, I really need to know exactly what my, my equivalent mud weight is coming out so I can apply immediately, you know, apply pressure. 
And normally now you've got a computer on the choke to automate these things and say, okay, this is the, you know, the amount of back pressure I need to apply. So definitely a lot of that stuff matured, became cost effective for land through, you know, through that process, but almost all of it, you know, the software, a lot of the electronics and automation portion came from, you know, proving itself in these very sensitive wells where there was the money to develop this kind of technology. So yeah, I would say deep water, you can say that land is where it probably began, but deep water is where it, what we see today actually came to be. Gotcha. Yeah. And again, on you know, from a drilling fluid or mine engineer perspective, there's really not a whole lot that changes with regards to properties. But at the end of the day, it's density control and density management, which is dictated by the operator. And so it's just being aware of, again, coming down to communicating and planning, knowing what kind of densities you're going to be required, knowing what kind of mud caps are going to be required for tripping out of the, tripping out and back in the hole. And again, ultimately it comes down to fluids management and just having enough tank capacity to shift fluids around and, and really having an understanding of, you know, what fluids are going to be used at what times and just, you know, scheduling and organizing accordingly. So yeah, again, it, it's not crazy complex, but there's things to be aware of from a drilling fluids engineering perspective that we need to know and, and be aware of because it's when you're talking about density, you're talking about well control and obviously safety is extremely important. So again, just reemphasizing the communication part is always important. Yeah, well, and I mean, going back to the communication part of things from a fluids perspective, I think definitely in the office, Granted, you're going to have these managed pressure drilling folks who have their hydraulic software. The operator's going to have theirs. ECD is what everybody's talking about. As you know, if you're an account manager with a drilling fluids company, you're probably going to be running hydraulics as well to make sure everybody jives. Yeah. So there's going to be certain expectations like that. I think from a fluids perspective, fluid selection perspective, I mean, offshore, if you're drilling in these sensitive wells, you're already using low ECD mud anyways. As much as I think you've heard me rag on them for being used in the wrong place, this is definitely the right place for them, is in those critical wells where you have a very narrow gradient and you have a clear ECD benefit, deep water, thermal gradient type situations, it's, it's quite clear. Onshore, it's going to be more conventional. And, you know, sometimes they plan to use this for the entire well. Other times they're only going to use it for, for example, the intermediate section. You know, there's, there's a day rate to be paid on this stuff. And so if you don't need it in the lateral or in the production interval, they may rig down. And then I guess the other thing to keep in mind is managed pressure drilling is one thing. One thing you'll read more and more in the literature is managed pressure cementing, which is the same concept. But, you know, if you can't get a good cement job, what's the point, right? So we know that it's not uncommon for our highest ECDs to take place during the cement job. So I might be able to get casing down, but if that's all I can do, you know, now granted, it's not always you could use nitrified cement. You could you could use low density cement. There are games you can play there too. But managed pressure cementing is is another part of the conversation that you're hearing more and more common, where this managed pressure drilling equipment is adapted for the cement job as well. Interesting. That's new to me. That I learned something new today. I didn't realize they could do that, which makes sense. And again, I always encourage the listeners if you, if you have any stories or, or information or something that we may or may not have covered that you would like more clarification on, 
just, you know, hit us up at the flow line podcast at aesflues.com. Matt, I don't have any more questions, but again, I mean, is there any closing last words or anything we need to be aware of before we close out? You know, I, I think with managed pressure drilling, there's enough flavors and types that this one, it might actually tell us who's listening. Cause I think we could get a few, well, actually, or, you know, a few corrections to some of the things that are clarifications for that matter to some of the things I've said. You know, if you've got experience associated with any of these specific techniques, it would be really cool if you shared it just by way of, I think, you know, I've been involved with a little bit of the planning on the deep water side. I've done, you know, most of the stuff on land. It's more, it's just mentioned we're using it for this well. It, it doesn't really go beyond that. And so if, if you've kind of been, you know, in the trenches handling these, if you have experience or, or things you think people need to think about as they plan these jobs or, or support these jobs, especially from a fluids perspective, I'd really like to hear it because I think it's something I'd, I'd really benefit a lot from. Absolutely. Well, with that being said, everyone, you can hit us up on LinkedIn or the email like I just described. Again, thanks for listening and we'll be in touch. Until next time. Take care. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.